Money Talk is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex to be considered before becoming a client of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Securities are offered through HBEC Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Annex Wealth Management and HBEC are unaffiliated. This program may contain forward-looking statements which may not come true. Please consult with an advisor about your specific situation. Taking the mystery out of investing with answers to your financial questions. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald from Annex Wealth Management. On WTMJ. Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, Saturday, July 14th. My name is Danny Clayton. Good morning, Dave Spano. Good morning, Danny. Derek Felsky and uh, Mark Oswald is going to be joining us here in a second. It is uh, what, I mean, there's so much going on. I mean, this is Summerfest gets over. It's Bastille Days weekend. we have anybody wander by our uh, Fister location? Are you kidding me? They ran right by the Fister on Thursday night. Absolutely. The whole the whole thing ran right by the Fister. So on to the show, Dave. All right. Thanks, Danny. Of course, there is a lot going on. And uh, Derek, we had a nice close on Friday, and we hit some uh, some nice numbers as well. Yeah, the Dow for the first time in a month closed north of 25,000. The S&P is right at the 2800 level, which a lot of technicians see as a potential breakout. And the NASDAQ continues to surge as well, up 2% on the week. And earnings uh, season started and started with the banks on Friday and as expected. Yeah, the bank results were sort of mixed. I mean, one of the headwinds the banks have faced is the flattening of the yield curve because that when banks do best is when their net interest margins are expanding. So they, they borrow short and lend long. So to the degree that long rates are higher than short rates, they make more money. And the yield curve basically has been flattening over the last you know several months, Mark. Certainly when you have a strong stock market, the banks are participating there. And we look at what sectors have done well and what sectors haven't done well in the first half of the year. Are the financials going to come along and be one of the one of the lead sectors, or are they going to continue to trail? My expectation is that we're going to have a strong finish to the year once we get past midterm elections. And to the degree that the economy remains on solid footing, I would expect investment banking business to pick up, M&A activity to pick up, and loan business to pick up, all of which would suggest banks will do better. Plus, I think one of the things that people have forgotten is the European Central Bank continues to push global rates down. And once they take their foot off the pedal and, and back off on their asset purchases, I think long rates may start to rise and the yield curve will then steepen. You brought up seasonality, and as we head into August and September, those are the two worst months of the year. But as you said, once we get past that and we get past the elections, we could have a strong finish to the year. Yeah, midterm election years are typically back-end loaded. I mean, we've done some analysis since 1950, and what you see is essentially stocks go sideways uh, between, say, now and, and the end of September. You know, once we get past the election and people, investors have a better sense of what's going to happen out of Washington, for example, are the tax cuts at jeopardy, in jeopardy, or will there be uh, other fiscal and, and monetary initiatives coming out of Washington? Uh, investors tend to feel better and, and, and tend to invest, frankly. So we talked a little bit about earnings of the banks. What about earnings in general? I mean, we, we looked at first quarter earnings up about 25% year over year, and some estimates are 20% year over year for the second quarter earnings season. Those numbers could be even higher than that. Yeah, that's been the pattern. The companies have done a really good job of, of under-promising and over-delivering. And, and if the forecast is 21%, which is it is currently, according to FactSet data systems, the likelihood is we're probably going to see another 25% increase in S&P earnings in Q2 particularly given the fact that you know those numbers in Q1 were generated when the GDP was only growing at 2%. Uh, the Atlanta Fed is actually looking now for a mid-3% second quarter GDP, and I have to believe that if the economy 
is growing at, at twice the rate, the companies will continue to do well and post good numbers. Those are really good numbers. I mean, 20% plus growth of earnings is outstanding. In fact, we haven't seen anything like that since coming out of the Great Recession. That's right. You know, one of the things we've talked about a lot was the transition from monetary policy to fiscal policy that throughout the expansion up to this point, it was driven primarily by low rates engineered by the Fed and other global central banks. But the tax cut has kind of given the bull market new life. It's generated tremendous profit growth, generated tremendous cash flows. And we also expect to see in this earnings season lots of buyback announcements and dividend increases. A lot to cover yet on the show between now and 11 o'clock. Still to come, we're going to talk about 401ks and the power of a good 401k plan for your employees. This is Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, WTMJ. Money tips that don't cost a thing. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, Saturday, July 14th. My name is Danny Clayton, Dave Spano, Derek Felsky, and Mark Oswald here. When the earnings season starts, it's going to be an interesting twist this this time around because people are going to be looking for stuff, analysts in particular. Well, you know, Danny, you know, in, in generating our, our equity income strategy, which is a dividend growth portfolio that, that we use at Annex, I mean, one of the key inputs, obviously, is earnings and earnings growth because from earnings and earnings growth come dividends and increases in dividends and free cash flow and the like. Uh, so I view earnings seasons, hopefully, as a validation of our strategy. Well, Derek, you know, a lot of people, I think, are looking right now to see what the trade skirmish or the trade war or the tariffs are going to have on companies' earnings. And there's a lot of things going on. I mean, reduced tax rates and repatriation and all those types of things. How much impact should investors look for on future earnings, whether it's Q3 or Q4, based on those factors? I personally, Mark, I don't really think it's no, it's knowable at this point. I mean, in some of the bank conference calls on yesterday on Friday, um, like for example, Jamie Dimon said it's just too early to know because many of these tariffs have been announced and haven't been enforced. For example, you know, this week the president talked about 200 billion in tariffs against China at 10 percent. So it's not 200 billion; it's 20 billion, which is not a very large number, particularly in the context of, of the fiscal stimulus we're seeing. But again, that's not going to take effect for. A couple of months, so it's it's hard for companies to quantify it. To the degree that they do mention it, though, as an issue, I'm sure that will cause some give some investors pause about committing to companies, say like Boeing or Caterpillar, which sell a lot into China and could be negatively impacted if the Chinese retaliate. I believe it was the CFO from Citibank said it's more about psyche than it is about economics at this point, and that's probably true. No, absolutely. I mean, for example, if you're considering putting a plant in China. And you're in the midst of this discussion in the in the headlines. You're not going to commit until you have some level of certainty before you commit millions and millions of dollars to an expansion overseas. So, Derek, put those things in perspective. If if trade wars and tariffs are a drag on a company, and tax cuts and repatriation support a company, put those things in perspective. Well, tariffs essentially are a tax increase, and right now, from what we've been able to ascertain, we're talking about 120 billion in estimated tariffs. And that, that goes against 800 billion in fiscal stimulus. So that's a ratio of almost seven to one. So while tariffs would dampen the impact of fiscal stimulus, it certainly wouldn't negatively offset it. And we look at it more generally as well, Mark. That's a good question, Mark. But there are tailwinds and there are headwinds. Clearly a headwind is the, you know, the trade issues, the tariffs, the protectionism that we're seeing. And in fact, you know, volatility and valuations we've been looking at. But there are a lot of tailwinds that sometimes people get overwhelmed with. And, you know, U.S. US economic growth has been outstanding, Mark, and, and we continue to see a great number. Well, no doubt. I mean, you look at jobs 
jobs, you look at housing, you look at manufacturing, you look at confidence, all those are positives right now. You look at an unemployment rate at 4%, you're at full employment, but you don't see that wage inflation where you're really worried about the Fed getting carried away with rate raises. You know, what's interesting about that unemployment rate, we still are still talking about this mismatch of talent because there are lots of jobs available and a lot of people still looking, but they can't put the, they can't put them together. When you look at the job openings, there's more job openings than there are people looking for jobs. So you look at that and it's fascinating from a standpoint of what's going to happen to companies when there is full employment with quality people doing the right jobs. The productivity of the American worker could go through the roof. So we have GDP doing well. We've got strong labor markets and Derek we still have what we call capex to see if that kicks in yet right I mean one of the things from the fiscal stimulus bill that's been overlooked is the fact that you can fully expense capital expenditures rather than phasing them in over five years so that gives companies a tremendous incentive to invest right now and, and frankly they didn't see the details on that plan until the year began and, and capex expenditures take time they involve planning they involve committees and so on and we probably haven't seen the full impact of that as yet either so that's just one more catalyst that that I believe the U.S. economy has as this expansion nears its 10th year. So it's not all roses, though, right? I mean, there are certainly some headwinds, things for investors to keep in mind. You certainly keep diversification in mind, look at an opportunity to rebalance, all those kinds of things. There are things investors should be doing this summer based on the first half of the year and what we think is going to happen in the second half. Uh, they, they absolutely should. I mean, I believe an active portfolio makes sense. I believe that, you know, I'm sure many investors who have benefited from, for example, the 35% gain in Amazon this year are feeling really smug and happy happy, but at some point, the law of large numbers even affects a company like Amazon, Netflix, Microsoft, and Apple. So to the degree that your portfolio is overweighted in those particular names, and, and that's what we do with the x-ray, right? I mean, you might own those stocks individually, but you might find that all these mutual funds that you've added to your portfolio to diversify your, your overall uh, outlook, I mean, you could be significantly overweight those stocks. So I, you know, I would look for opportunities to pick off things that have lagged the markets. You know, there are areas of consumer staples that are per- perhaps interesting utilities, even telecom. I mean, at, the, at, at points like this, when stocks have had a big run, not just this year, but over the last five, six, seven years, your portfolio does get out of balance. And if fixed income's been flat, that equity allocation, it continues to rise. Thank you, Derek. Uh, 1020 at WTMJ. It is Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management. Our number, 262-786-6363. The website is AnnexWealth.com. No, the difference. You can get a plan there. It is team. It is technology. It is trust. Spreading the wealth every Saturday. Here is more Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. When it comes to 401ks, the guy at Annex is Tom Parks. Hello, Tom. Hey, how are you? Good. Director of Retirement Plan Services. So I read a lot and I see these articles and if I have a question, I kind of run them past you. So can we do that? I love it when you do this. This is a major financial print publication. I was talking about, and these are the basics of 401ks, but I think it's always good to review. Number one, understand all options available to you. And one of the things they talk about is what's called a self-directed brokerage account option. What is that? Right. So when they're saying all options available to you, they're talking about investments. And usually when you're in a 401k plan, you have a list of investments from which to choose. You know, you've got some large cap funds and some mid cap funds, target dates, all that stuff. And some retirement plans actually have kind of its own separate little option. A lot of times they'll call it a window, a brokerage window. And it is a brokerage account within the retirement plan itself. Once you jump through that window, you're essentially 
in a traditional brokerage account where you can buy whatever you want. That's a self-directed brokerage account. Right. The other thing, article they said, if your plan doesn't offer index funds or low-cost target date funds, I thought those things are great. They're, they are, and there are plans that don't offer them. And if you're, you're in a plan that doesn't offer them, you should probably be asking the people in charge of your plan why they aren't available to you. I think when we're looking at investment strategies, the index sleeve is an important sleeve. Do we think that a pure index strategy is the way to go? Not necessarily, but is it something that you should have available to you? Yeah, preferably. Another suggestion was see what funds in your plan cost. Do you have to kind of dig deep to find that out? You shouldn't have to dig too deep to figure that out. With websites and all that, that information should be readily available. The one thing that can kind of trip people up when it comes to retirement plans is the way that they go about disclosing the fees depending on the structure of the plan itself. So sometimes there is a, an additional fee for the services provided by the retirement plan provider. And sometimes they will lump that cost right in with the cost of the fund itself. So even though it's technically a separate cost, let's say that you're, the fund that you're in has uh, 10 basis points. So 0.1% is the cost, but there's a 20 basis point cost for the plan. It might show that the cost of that fund is 30 when it's really 10 plus the 20. But yeah, that information, ultimately, that's what you're paying to be in there. So either way, you should be able to find that information. And it's like anything else. I don't know why you would spend money on something, which is what you're doing when you're investing in a fund. Um, you're Obviously, you're getting a return, but there is something that you're paying. You should know what you're paying. Is there a fair number? No. <laughs> okay. uh, and the, you know, the reason for that is plans are all different. So if you're in a plan that's $2 billion in total assets, well, you're going to get a better price than you, if you're in a $2 million plan, right? So on an investment by investment basis, yeah, I mean, some actively managed funds are going to cost more. Small company funds, international, those are going to cost more. But there isn't a, a good rule of thumb to use because plans are so different from one another. Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services. We're talking about 401ks in this article I read, and I like to run things past Tom. Other suggestion, follow a model portfolio. I like those. Yeah, they're very convenient for people. So when we talk about investing in a plan, you've got you know a menu of funds from which to choose. You've got you know all the different types of funds that are in there. A lot of times they're going to be target date funds. The issue with target date funds, they're great. They're a one-stop shop and you know help you manage for retirement. But using my wife and myself as an example, we're the same age. She and I have different risk profiles, so she and I probably shouldn't be in the same target date fund. Right? Let me guess, you're the riskier one. How did you know? I knew. Uh, yeah, you haven't even met my wife yet. Well, someday. <laughs> You might change your mind once you meet her. But uh, the nice thing about model portfolios is they're they're really tuned into your risk tolerance. And so if your plan allows for them and offers them, I they're a great option. The thing is not all platforms make that available. So if you don't have them in your plan, it's a good thing to ask, see if you can get. You might not be able to get it, though. Here's the thing I think you can help with. Understand and support your 401k yourself. And the point the article made is, is that every employee should understand their 401k and that every employer should be supportive. That's not always the case. But really, should I expect my employer to know that much about it? Your employer should provide you with what you need to understand it to the best of your ability. So no, it's not reasonable, I don't think, to expect an employer to understand all of the ins and outs of the retirement plan. However, it is their fiduciary duty to do that. So that's one of the things that we talk about with people is say you gotta make sure that you are working with service providers, advisors, who you trust do know what they're doing and are gonna do right by your employees. So it's not fair, I think, to expect everyone to know everything about retirement plans. That's why it's so important to have somebody on your team, you know, on your side, who's helping you and your employees figure all this stuff out. 
But that's something we do with companies too, right? That's most of what we do with most companies. Yeah. Do, yeah. So we, we spend a lot of times, first of all, helping the employers say, hey, here's what you've got. Here's how it is structured. Here's what you're paying. Here's who's getting paid what. Uh, sorting all that out isn't always easy. Once that's done, then it's an ongoing process. But then we turn to their employees and we say, okay, employees A, B, and C, each one of them probably has different goals and aspirations and things that they should be doing. And we work with each one of them individually to figure out this benefit that you have available to you. How can you personally take greatest advantage of it? You know, and if you run a company or if you're in an HR department that makes these decisions, these are better benefits for your employees. It behooves you to talk to somebody that really knows how to set up a 401k plan and set up financial wellness. Absolutely, it does. I mean, this is one of those things where we're big into financial wellness right now, and most people associate that with retirement plans, but the retirement plan is only an element of financial wellness. And what we have seen statistically, I could go on for hours, uh, statistics that talk about the financial benefit to an employer of having more financially well employees. So it's absolutely, and especially right now with the competitive job market that we have. about retention, right? If you've got a better deal and your employer takes really good care of you that way? Why not? Well, and the workforce is a lot more savvy than they used to be. When they're looking at prospective employers, they're not just looking at how much are you going to pay me. They're looking at what are your benefits? How are you going to support me as an employee? And all of this factors into that. I think it's a huge thing. It's getting more traction now, but for the most part, it's uh, we're in the initial stages of employers really taking advantage of this. Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services. You continue to be the man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, 1029 at WTMJ. Remember, Annex Wealth Management has five locations. We've just opened our brand new location downtown inside the Fister. Our headquarters on Blue Mound Road in Elm Grove. We're also in Mequon, uh, Lake Country, Appleton as well, and Annex Everywhere. Listen, if you can hear me on this big radio station, we can reach you via Annex Everywhere. All it takes is a little bit of technology, and everybody's got that. And Roger across the lake in Michigan, talking to you. So any of our Michigan listeners, our Illinois listeners, anybody in the state, Annex Everywhere. It is news time. We're going to get caught up. 30 minutes left to uh, left to come on Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management. From simple investments to stock advice, back to Money Talk with Dane Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. This is probably a first for us. We're going to talk fortune hunters and gold diggers. And no, it's not a show on the History Channel. Deanne Phillips is here. Hey, Deanne. (laughs) Hey, Danny. How are you? Good. Director of Client Learning and Development. Fortune hunters, those are the people that all of a sudden show up. Gold diggers kind of prey on lonely and heartbroken. Do I have the phrasing right? Yeah, no, I think that's accurate. So the the two uh, categories in men or women that we're talking about right here are people going through a transition. And sometimes it can be what is deemed a happy transition, for example, winning the lottery. That's why so many people wait to come forward. They want to be sure they have their advisors in a row. Once your name's out there, every person's going to want to advise you and have a hot tip somewhere. Have you run across this? Yes, we have. Quite frankly, in all sorts of circumstances. Transitions are tough. And again, whether they can be happy or sad. So it, yes, it could be a death where, you know, there actually are people that stock the obituaries to lay claim on, you know, or, or you have, have somebody sure. as prey while their emotions are kind of on toward tilt. So there are some things they definitely want to think about when you go through a transition in order to protect yourself and not be a victim. There's a phrase, con men don't look like con men. What, what do we learn from that? First off, you know, when you're going through heartbreak, uh, you want empathy. And so there are people out there that are just more than willing to play 
play right into that. And whether it's the lonely person, the lonely senior, we see this a lot also, unfortunately, too, where someone will swoop in, they find out that that distant relative has a little bit of money, and oh, dear auntie, they become their best friend, right? When someone passes, though, we've also seen somebody come romantically swoop in. Here's the deal, Danny. If your spidey sense goes up on something, trust it. Mm -hmm. Usually you're right. You know, go with your gut. Talk about your suspicions with someone who's close to you. How would somebody know? Somebody's mom, widowed, right, and either a fortune hunter or a gold digger comes in, and maybe they live a state away. Maybe even mom is all of a sudden happy. So you really wouldn't know that something is going on unless you had access to their finance or at least how they're working, their spending, their investing, things like that. That's exactly right. So as uh, at Annex, you know, as holistic wealth advisors, we understand the process of grief. So whether it's death, divorce, disability, there's a grieving process and you never want to hurry someone through that process. You just can't because, you know, we've seen, unfortunately, for example, widows get life insurance proceeds in the mail by checkbook, right? Mm -hmm. And fast forward six months later, they, the money's gone. They have no idea where it was spent because they're emotional spending. So that's where a trusted advisor can help someone through a transition by protecting them also from themselves, not just from other people. When someone comes out of the blue, you have to watch. Are they after that person because they are in an emergency money situation and they see a quick solution? That could be super awkward, though. I mean, yeah. what are you supposed to do? Hire a private detective? We've actually known people that actually have. But the thing is, again, Again, it's about rushing through things, right? When someone comes into a little bit of money, I mean, think about it. All of a sudden, they've got all these people who are their best friend. And the kind-hearted and generous person would want to give the benefit of the doubt to someone that they love, air mm -hmm. quotes here, right? You know, you mentioned, uh, should someone, you know, hire somebody to check them out? Well, no, but, you know, with social media and everything now, there is a way to find out about people. I mean, chances are, if that person's on Facebook, you may have a mutual acquaintance in mind. Here's the story I heard. Somebody's mom in Phoenix all of a sudden takes up with a new guy. She's happy. The kids are a little suspicious and they do what you just suggested, which is look on Facebook. And then they looked him up a little bit deeper because, you know, you can you can look up stuff like that. This guy had failed businesses, probably one or two. Mm -hmm. It sounds like he was estranged with his family. So right. what would you suggest in a case like that? It's a situation where if you're close to a loved one, keep tabs on them when they're alone. You know, get to know the people in their life. You know, make sure because elderly people on their own, just without a romantic interest, you know, they are often victims of fraud and just attempts at fraud. So it's a good thing to have open family discussions you should have a discussion about, hey, you know, mom, dad, aunt, uncle, are your affairs in order? Is there anything I can help you to do? Can I hook you up with an attorney? Are you are you set? Do you feel comfortable if it comes a point where you can't make your financial decisions anymore in the future that you have someone you trust who can sweep in and do this for you? You just don't want it to be the brand new boyfriend who well, swept in out of town. Yeah, it, and that's the danger. Let's switch gears. You've got another event that I don't get to go to because <laughs> it's for women and that's fine. It's okay. No, men do come to our events, Danny. Okay. So but, what is this so, one? So Annex has this group called Women Wealth 
and wisdom. And it's for women of all ages to come and share their stories. They, we have events. Sometimes they're at our offices. Sometimes they're elsewhere. We have a couple of dates coming up at the Burner Botanical Gardens, for example. It's called Planting the Right Seeds. It's our workshop where uh, Jill Martin, our estate planning attorney, and I are going to discuss uh, teaching our family to give and really what legacy means, especially to women. But we're pairing that with a tour of the Botanical Gardens. Nice. So, okay. yeah, it's really fun. So we they're always complimentary events. They're always bring a friend, but they do fill up. So you have to sign up. You can call Annex, uh, say, hey, I want in on, on the gardens. I think that sounds fun. And learn a little something, not just from us, but from each other. It's really a group where we share our stories, share ideas, and women learn from women. Dean Phillips, our Director of Client Learning and Development. Thank you for jumping on. Hey, thanks for having me. 1040 WTMJ, the website, AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference. It's team, technology, trust. Watch your investments grow with Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, Saturday the 14th. Dave, you guys were talking earlier about portfolio construction. I find that really, really interesting. Can you get back to that? Sure. You know, most people, when they, when they put a portfolio together, you hear the term asset allocation and you know where you're placing assets. But when we talk about construction of portfolio, we're looking particularly at, when you're talking about U.S. stocks, we're talking about the S&P 500. And you showed me a chart earlier this week, Derek, that kind of sh- suggested that this is a narrow market. It, it, it has been. The market basically has been led by six names, Amazon, Netflix, Microsoft, Apple, Alphabet, the parent of Google, and Facebook, and together they've accounted for 98% mark of the return in the S&P 500 through the end of June. Should we be worried about that when we look at broad markets versus narrow markets? I mean, when you look at whether it's the Russell 2000 and and a number of small cap names or the S&P 500, the larger capitalized names, should you be looking at individual stocks that are providing the return, or is it better to be in the index and have that diversification? I think it really depends on what your goal is. If your goal as an investor is to generate absolute returns, I don't think you need to be as worried as you would be if you're an institutional equity manager and you're trying to beat a benchmark. For example, when you're an institutional equity manager and you say you don't like a stock that has a large weighting in that particular benchmark and it performs well, you sure as heck could better find a name that that does better than that. So, for example, Amazon and Microsoft, which are very large market caps, are totally dominating many of the other names within those benchmarks. And for an institutional manager, that can cost you your job. And you really can't just be in tech names. I mean, that's not a balanced portfolio. And so you, there's other sectors that people can invest in. And, in fact, they do invest in it. And for you're listening to the show and you have shares of Wisconsin Energy or AT&T, that's part of the construction of the portfolio. No, and one of my challenges recently in terms of looking for new active managers for us to put in our portfolios is that the comp- is that the mutual funds that have done really well over the last six months, twelve months, three years have tended to have a very high concentration of those six names I mentioned, and that really doesn't help our portfolios that much because we have tactical exposure to all of those companies. Well, when I look at risk management, I think any part of a portfolio, whether it's our investment committee or the individual investors that are out there, is managing the risk in the portfolio. When you have issuer risk, in other words, you have one of these names and you say I'm all in on Amazon or I'm all in on Facebook. 
things happen, right? I mean, Facebook had its challenges this year, and you don't get that as much exposure to those one companies having those one-offs, whether it's Exxon or whether it's BP or whatever might happen. When you have a natural disaster and that one particular company is impacted, that doesn't impact an index like the S&P 500. So there's some safety in having that broader-based investment in your portfolio. No, that's absolutely true, Mark. And, and frankly, you know, when we, when we build these portfolios, we look at our asset mix, we look at how the various asset classes correlate with each other to generate what we believe to be a better risk-adjusted return over a cycle. I mean, one thing I've found with clients that have come in, and particularly with prospects, they come in with a portfolio. They might own all six of those names individually, but what they don't realize is the mutual funds they own that they think are diversifying that exposure actually are heavily laden with those names as well. So when we do that portfolio x-ray and, and really dial down the factors, we can actually find that, that many folks are, A, overweighted typically in the United States, and B, overweighted in, in the leadership of the past six to 12 months. Let's talk about uh, international stocks as well. There is a desynchronization of what's happening here versus around the world. Right. Well, we've had the fiscal stimulus. That's helped S&P earnings grow dramatically this year. At the beginning, we were looking for 12% year-over-year growth. Now it's looking more like 20-plus, whereas in Europe, you've seen some diminution in terms of earnings. The other thing that's hampered international investors is that many of those funds or, or, or stocks are, are domiciled in the particular local currency, and the dollar's been strong. So that's been an additional headwind for U.S. investors owning international names. In 30 seconds or so before we let you go, is there an overweight that you're seeing from outside advisors when they bring their statements in in international funds? Yeah, what I'm what I'm finding, and it's really un- incredible, and it, it just it goes along with the flows data we've looked at. Inter- our, our competitors, many of our advisors that we compete with, are underweight U.S. and overweight international, primarily for valuation reasons. And not only that, since this cycle began, we've seen money come out of U.S. stocks and go towards international stocks and fixed income, both of which have underperformed the U.S., which is one of the reasons I've still contracted on the U.S., because sentiment is just not that excessive. Dirk Felsky, Chief Investment Officer, thanks for coming in today. If what we talk about and the way we talk about it sounds like a match for you, we'd love to talk to you guys. Absolutely. And that free portfolio review, now's a great time to do it. Getting into the second half of the year, we expect uh, some volatility. Now would be a really good time to get that review done. Go to AnnexWealth.com and get yourself signed up. We'd love to meet you and talk a little bit about your plan and where we can help. Get professional help with your portfolio. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. This is a conversation about pensions and who better than the guys from our planning department, Randy Winkler, financial planning manager, Ron Johnson, CFP, and senior financial planner. Hey, guys. Hey, hey. Pensions, were they or are they the gold standard of retirement vehicles? They used to be. Uh, everybody had them or just about everybody had them, but it's really changed in the last uh, 20 or 30 years. You hear about that all the time, that there are no pensions anymore. They're still kicking. Right. There's a few out there, but they're not uh, nearly as popular as they were for many good reasons. Ron, could you define them? A pension, for the most part, is a, a company made a guarantee to an employee that we're going to pay you a benefit, likely for the rest of your life, or at least for a defined period. It's like, why'd they go away? I think over time, companies realize that it's it's just far more efficient for them to manage a 401k, which really shifts the responsibility to fund retirement on the employee rather than the company. Didn't people work for the same company for their entire career? Yeah, they did. And that was one of the reasons why, why pensions became 
out of favors because a lot of times people weren't staying with the company long enough to even qualify for a pension benefit. Yeah, and the pensions weren't portable. So we see some people here that they've got four different small pensions because they moved around. Unlike a 401k, which could be rolled over and consolidated into one account, you can bring it with you. You didn't lose the pension, but it didn't accumulate with your other pensions. But they're good things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Pension can be a great benefit. But one of the things to think about is there is risk with a pension. If a company underfunds the pension liability, then you as a recipient are at risk of having your benefit reduced. Or if the company goes out of business and files bankruptcy, you could lose the pension altogether. And then you're falling upon the government guarantee. And what is the government guarantee? Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. The, the board, they're going to guarantee a small portion of your benefit. That can be less than half. If you have a bigger benefit um, that you're losing, you're going to get less from the uh, insurance on the pension. If you have a smaller benefit, it might cover more. Better than nothing, but it's definitely not the preferred route. Um, my wife is a teacher, and she's from Houston. She had a pension in the time that she worked there. She didn't receive anything in over 10 years from that. So we had to really do some digging and make some calls and prove that she was who she was and marriage certificates because of name change just to get an actual um, statement of where it was at. We're talking pensions. Randy Winkler, financial planning manager, is here. So is Ron Johnson, CFP and senior financial planner. When our clients come in and they've got pensions, how do they work within our planning system? Well, when you get close to retirement, you'll get a statement which is very confusing for most people with what are your options. Generally, it has to do with the time frame or survivorship. So you could say, um, I've got a pension benefit. I want to take it just on my life and get the maximum amount. You see that quite often from people who aren't getting guidance. Uh, one of the big drawbacks of that is I walk out of the pension office, get hit by a bus. There's never a pension paycheck that goes out. Uh, a little safer route is to do some sort of a survivor benefit. It can be 100%, 75%, 50% that goes to the spouse after they pass on. Also, there are options called period certain. You can say, okay, I want to get paid for sure for the next 10 years, whether I'm alive or not. Yeah, so these are all contingent plans if you get hit by that bus. So in addition to the options within the pension, very often there's an option to whether you take the pension at all or take a lump sum. And that can be very, very confusing for people. How do you choose between a big bucket of money for a steady paycheck for a defined period of time? Companies like to be out of the pension business. And one of the ways they're doing that is they're offering past employees and employees that have a pension benefit the option to basically get a payout, meaning that you can take the present value of your pension benefit. Are there benefits to that? There are, and what we do, there's a number of analysis that we do on that uh, to determine which way to go. To continue with Ron's example, we'd want to see what the payout ratio is. So if we took the $1,000 a month paycheck, we annualize that to $12,000 a year, what would we have to earn on the lump sum if we took it to match that $12,000? So in Ron's example, they have a $100,000 lump sum to get $12,000 a year out of that. Just doing very simple math, you need to earn 12%. If you could earn 12% on your pension payout, you should probably take it. Let's say you were getting only $100 a month. You know, that's $1,200 a year. Now your payout ratio on the pension is only 1.2%. In that case, you probably want to take the lump sum because you can do better than that in an investment. Do they run out? There is a limit to how much a person can earn in a pension. A, a number of years ago, it was at 205000 It's probably increased since then. That would be the limit of what a company can pay an individual through a, a defined benefit plan such as a pension. But if somebody lives to 130 and they've got a pension, it will pay to 130 Yeah, if, they, if they've picked that option. you know. So it, again, I, I've said before- I want the 130 option. That's what I want. I, I've <laughs> joked before that if, I, if we knew client's expiration date, we'd have the easiest job in the world. So if somebody takes a 10-year guaranteed payout and lives to be 110, 
they didn't win. If somebody took the, the lifetime payout and they lived to be that long, the checks just keep rolling in. One of the things we do for our clients here at Annex is, is we'll look at the pension versus the lump sum benefit and try and define where a break-even point would be. So for instance, if I were to take a $100,000 lump sum and then say my pension option was $1,000 a month, how long could I take that $1,000 from that $100,000 balance and how long would that balance last? That becomes your break-even point. So say that 100000 if it grows at 6% a year, lasts to age 85, and then we project it would run out. Well, if you live past 85, guess what? That pension looks pretty darn good. If you think you're going to live less than that, then the lump sum worked out better for you. So by taking a look at the payout ratio, taking a look at the break-even point, that's the kind of the quantitative aspect of it. There's also the qualitative. What do you want to do? What do you want to pass on? You can much more easily pass on a lump sum than you can a pension. You know, if something happens to you and your spouse, the pension is going to be gone one way or another. But if you roll it to an IRA, that can be passed on to a beneficiary. And this is what you guys do all the time. This is what we offer clients. Absolutely. Yeah. We really are experts on how pensions work and how they can impact your retirement plan. Guys, thanks for coming in. Happy to be here. Thanks, Danny. Our pleasure. They are smart guys, and they're in our planning department at Annex Wealth Management. Again, if it sounds like the way you think and uh, we match up with you, we'd love to talk to you. 262-786-6363 is our number. We've got five locations, our uh, headquarters in Elm Grove. We've got uh, Mequon, Lake Country, Appleton, and the Fister Branch downtown that we are very, very proud of. It's AnnexWealth.com. Advice and opinions expressed during Money Talk are solely that of the hosts or guests of Annex Wealth Management and not WTMJ Radio or Scripps Media Incorporated.